Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, and we are in Cannes in the South of France for the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative editor at Adweek, and very excited to welcome two wonderful guests. I've been looking forward to meeting both of you in person. Uh, Maribel Vidal, uh, who is the, you are the VP of Strategy at McCann Chile, uh, but also the president of the McCann World Group uh, Women's Leadership Council for LATAM. Did I get all the words in the right? Very good. Glad <laughs> to be here. And we've also got Laura Visco, uh, who is creative director at 72 and Sunny Amsterdam, recently featured on our Creative 100 list, and who has been doing some amazing work that we will talk about in a minute. Laura, it's so wonderful to have you. Same here. And so I want to start off, you are both, tell us uh, where you are from originally uh, in South America. And uh, Laura, you, you are obviously in Amsterdam now. Uh, uh, Mirabel also uh, lived in uh, in. Amsterdam as well for several years. Uh, so that'll be interesting to hear the kind of the comparison of the, those markets compared to where you're from. But tell me where you where you grew up, where you got your start in your career. Well, I was grow up in, in Chile. I was born in Chile. I study advertising. I've been in the, in the business for 30 years already, more or less 20 with McCann World Group. Um, but I have the possibility to live for five years in Amsterdam. This was light in the earliest, uh, in the la- latest 90s. And this was quite an experience for me. Allowed me to, to see the advertising and the life in general from the other side of the, of the world. And now I'm back in, in Chile already. And uh, I have the possibility to work uh, in regional basis. So, you know, how the, from Chile to work with most of the more important countries in Latin America. And th- that is, pretty good because allow you to see what we have in common. We have a lot to see in common, but also the difference, cultural difference that make our business so interesting. It feels like Amsterdam is a very global centerpiece uh, where you have so many cultures colliding in, in one place. There's there's definitely a Dutch culture, but it feels like especially the work that comes out of Amsterdam feels more international in a way that, that not many other countries do. Laura, you're obviously there. You've been there several years. But first, tell us about your background and how you got to uh, to Amsterdam. Um, I started working in advertising when I was 19 years old. I was oh, wow. like a baby in an agency, <laughs> <laughs> also surrounded by men, obviously. Um, yeah, I um, I was the only female copywriter in the building back in the day, so it was pretty intense in that sense. I mean, the, the toilet was only, in that floor was only for me. Uh, just to give you an example of how ridiculous it was, I had like three like different toilets just to choose from uh, every single day. And then when I was 28, 29, I decided to go abroad and... 
yeah, to have an experience like working in in English. I have to I've chosen London because it felt like I'm the most like I don't know like like a obvious choice. Don't get me. much more English than uh, than <laughs> <Yeah>. London. <laughs> um, then I went back to Argentina for like two years uh, because I miss my family, and then I went yeah I went back to Europe, and now I'm working in Amsterdam for like almost four years now. How different was the gender balance uh, when you got to London? Uh, was it at least more women in the agency world? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not in like um, director level, but not at like director level, but at least, I mean, it was like super refreshing for me to see like, like there, are, there were like many, many other female creatives in the building. It wasn't just me, like in Argentina, that you felt like a bit lonely. I somehow actually have to like be one of the guys just to fit in, you know, but in, in London, I, I was actually able to just be myself a lot more. <laughs> for both of you, how did that experience of uh, going abroad for the first time and working overseas, when you came back uh, to, you know, to Argentina, to Chile, how did it change? Did you, what about that experience kind of changed the way you approached work, if anything? In my, in my personal experience, as you said, a uh, Amsterdam, it is a, it is a big city in a small size. And I think, you know, you can have everything that you can wish in the world, but in, in a very uh, human uh, scale kind of city. And I think one of the best things I learned there is the, 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 how valuable is the diversity. You know, I, I can think probably there are other countries, but my personal experience is that uh, how the diversity bring value to the society. And it, you see in every uh, manifestation, in, in cultural, in, in music, in art, I have the possibility to work for an art gallery there. And I, you know, saw the amazing value of the mixing of the culture all over the place with not uh, judgment, with not bias, and that for me was very refreshing and uh, very inspiring, actually, because like in Latin America, we also have this uh, mix of culture and sometimes we don't use it as much as a small country like the Netherlands uh, make of it. You know, I think this is my, my more uh, important uh, learning to see how the, the mix of culture and everything is get creativity all over the place and the way that people related with each other. And uh, that, that for me was very, very refreshing and very inspiring. Yeah, I feel like the main difference, at, at least what I witnessed in like South America, I, I, I still feel like people just see diversity as a moral thing and not as a creative value you know just something that's actually going to make the the outcome a lot better because when you actually have different people with like different very different perspectives in the room ideas just get better uh you just don't have this super narrow uh, vision of something you have multiple visions and that just makes the the, the work richer i think the our main struggle i'm a huge activist on getting more women and getting more people from different backgrounds yeah, working in, in, in advertising in, in South America. It's like people just see it as a, oh, we have to get more women, otherwise people, I mean, will look bad in the picture. And your work also is going to look bad because you're not getting any, like, you know, different inputs or different visions. 
So I think, yeah, that is the thing that I think we need to work on, just not seen as a moral thing. It's more like a creative thing. Well, let's talk about your creative because uh, you're most, I would say, famous within the ad industry for the work you've done with Axe, uh, addressing uh, toxic masculinity very directly. Oh, yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not coming at it sideways. Going <laughs> straight at it. And, and so tell me about that early process. This is a brand that was famous, notorious for um, – you know, some say it was tongue in cheek, uh, but the end result was that their ads were about, you know, you spray on this product and women in bikinis will just throw themselves at you, you know, no matter what you're like as a guy. Uh, I, I think to their credit, BBH didn't necessarily mean for that to be taken literally, but a lot of people probably did. And I think you have helped take that account in a very different direction uh, by by addressing the gender and what does what does it mean for and and so tell us about kind of how you helped pivot that brand it seemed like they were headed in a better direction when you guys yeah. came on board but you've certainly helped point them somewhere <laughs> productive uh no i mean the the, the the whole brief was actually about the change you know like they, they actually wanted to to have a, a new vision for this brand and what you know, they wanted to figure out what it means to be a man nowadays. I think what BBH did in the past made total sense back in the days, you know. Uh, if you think about, you know, um, it was friends, you know, like uh, on air, Ross was a kind of a, like the nerdy guy that was getting the hot girl. I mean, it all made like perfect sense culturally. But I think the, the thing is brands need to evolve, you know, with culture. Otherwise, it kind of stuck in in, 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 in in an advertising world. And I think that can be actually sometimes pretty damaging for brands when they are stuck in their very own world without um, having any any dialogue with, you know, like with people, with like real people. So, yeah, we we help them get in, in the, you know, like in their, I think, right direction of uh, trying to get in, in uh, inside of a head of a, Twenty-something um, or fifteen-something-year-old guy today, and I think what we did for is okay for guys um, was like the first ever social mission for them. I mean, every Unilever brand has a social mission. The most famous one is Stop with Real Beauty. Um, actually, don't have one for obvious reasons. Um, and yeah, we help them figure out. Okay, you have to. Uh, tackle toxic masculinity that it's uh, it's an invisible problem in a way we we never question gender stereotypes in men and uh, we are surrounded by them and that can be really extremely damaging for all of us so yeah, that's why. Yeah, it seems to address this. You're right. It's, it was an unspoken t- two sides of the of the uh, gender stereotype issue. Is partly it's how we see women, but it's also how we see men and how how men see themselves. Uh, so to clarify for those who haven't seen it, the "Is it okay for guys?" was an ad that that asked these questions of "Is it okay for guys to dot dot dot?" and then you know created these different scenarios. And that ad went so far beyond, obviously, the Netherlands. I mean, this was a truly global uh, spot. And you talked to – when we spoke about this for our Creative 100 issue, you talked about how this became very personal for you. You actually heard from people uh, who were affected by this this ad. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, it was the first time throughout the, like, entire, my, my entire career that actually people just looked like in the credits of the ad. And people just don't care about the advertising, right? But actually people looked like uh, to, like our names and started like writing like emails to, to us. I, I had like tons of messages like saying, hey, I don't know you, but I just saw you, you, you guys did this campaign. 
And I want to thank you. Mm-hmm. We had we discussed it at dinner with my with my sons, and it was a super productive conversation. One of the uh, directors of the of the project actually got an email from um, someone that um, is like a, is a counselor at the prison, uh, mm-hmm. and they tackle like uh, violence issues with men. And actually, campaigns serve as a tool to for men to start talking about um, how they are actually put in a, in this men box, you know. And it was the first time in my life that actually uh, anything like that ever happened to me. Uh, and it was it was I mean that for me is enough, you know. If we win something here, it's okay. But for me, that was the biggest reward. Maribel, let let's talk about how the Me Too movement has uh, it. As a movement, it feels like it has connected and grown in different ways in different parts of the world, and that's been what's so great about having Can come in almost a year after Me Too really got started, and seeing how it is or isn't having an impact. Certainly has in North America. Uh, it certainly seems to be in Europe. How is it growing, and how is it connecting with people and making an impact in South America? And f- first, I'd like to comment about you what you said about the campaign. I think this proved the beauty and the power of transformation of advertising. And I think, you know, because of that, uh, the responsibility we have in, in the way we create our message, and I think is, is the key of everything. And uh, to, to be able to really connect with people and to be significant in the people's life, you need to understand with whom you are talking about. And I truly believe about, you know, when we talk about gender equality, it's not about the question of women. It's a question about women and men and have to do with the, how the society prepare uh, to be able to give the same uh, possibility and the same opportunities to men and and, and, and men and women. And I think, you know, that makes much better society because, you know, everything is better when everybody is allowed to be there and feeling good about it. And uh, coming back to your question about the Me Too movement, I think, you know, this is also, a, in, in my opinion, and in what I can see in the, in, in the region is that these are the kind of things that we need to take in consideration the culture behind. But for example, in this part of the world, the Me Too have much to do with harassment, for example, sexual harassment. And, uh, but in Latin America, it's still a little bit, uh, what we see about when we see the numbers and the figure, the, the Me Too is more about, uh, is more like no one more or less, you know, ni una menos. It is, has more to do with the femis, femicidio, femicide, femicide, and violence, violence, physical violence against women. You know that in Latin America we have a very poor ranking, you know, uh, number one ranking in terms of how many women are uh, victim of physical abuse and uh, sometimes they kill the, they kill women and that is a huge problem in many markets in Latin America. So, you know, when we talk about Me Too and uh, have to do with this angle, you know, that we must to acknowledge that in Latin America for cultural reasons and probably because we tend to talk more about women but not about men issues. And this is complicated because when half of the population change for whatever reason, the other half need to change. And if we don't talk about that, if we don't have a common ground, it is difficult. It is a kind of, it's a conversation we need to talk. I'm sure that most of the um, the the victim of violence 
for men to women have to do because some of them don't know how to do, how to handle in this uh, society that everything is changing. So it is important to take in consideration the culture when this kind of movement move because need to answer the, the, the pain point of each culture. We cannot, you know, in, uh, uh, enforce something that is not there, you know. Lara, I, I do feel like that South America, is what, what Latin America in general is one of the regions where women in high-level creative leadership are still very rare. Um, I say that as someone who's outside the market, so maybe that's maybe that's not accurate, and you're definitely welcome to, to correct me, but... Uh, you know, you. What are you seeing in terms of is that changing? I feel like the few names that you hear, you hear a lot because there aren't very many uh, to call out. But are you seeing a new generation come up? Do you do you feel like you're, that there is some headway in that regard in Latin America? I think it's getting better, but the change is uh, just way too slow. And um, I'm actually like doing like a lot of activism to to try to accelerate that that change. I think the change just doesn't happen. Just for many reasons, I, I think as women we're just not, uh, and, and in South America we are not taught to be, we are not told to be loud or to fight for the things and that, that those things you actually have to, I mean this those traits that you you need to survive in this industry you have to fight for your ideas you have to fight sometimes and we are not uh, we're not prepared for that we're not prepared for that I think like guys are a lot more prepared in in that sense and I'm, I'm trying to accelerate that change um, and I have my, my like, own group of like I actually mentor other women uh, but it's just a, it's, it's a bit too slow I think the cultural change I, and I agree with you we do have other problems as well um, we're lucky enough to be alive at the end of the day you know there I mean it's one you know, I think in Argentina it's like kill one, one woman every day so imagine that the lack of diversity in advertising is it, it is the problem, but we have bigger problems. Yeah. Well, but you know, there's yeah. each of us has to yeah. do what we can do exactly <laughs> in what yeah in what we in what we can. Um, but yeah, I think it it is. I mean, it is changing. I don't see. Uh, I I do see a change. I mean, I I do see a lot more women in the creative departments. You know, like compared to when I actually started, I was the only one. So there is more. The reason why they can get into more like an, another type of positions, that's a different story. And I think it has to do with, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, men are promoted because of their potential. Women are still getting promoted because of facts, you know, like this is a lot more factual because she did this and this and that. Exactly. So she deserves to be promo promoted. I think guys... Uh, because they are born a lot more confident in that sense in the professional world and just because of how society is structured um, they, they just do better but at least I'm trying to to help you know accelerating that a little bit Maribel do you feel that there's progress being made and how how optimistic are you about seeing changes in the at least in the agency world and preferably in the wider <laughs> wider world yeah. on more serious issues as well I'm very optimistic in general <laughs> very optimistic person in general I do agree with Laura about you know I, I see some uh, change but not enough and I think this is one of the reasons but looking from the positive side I think for the first time ever we are talking about it you know, because before that was something that 
me being in the in the, in the industry for already around 30 years you know this is something that happened 30 years ago but we didn't feel like to yeah. to to talk aloud and now the the good thing the positive thing is already for quite a, a few years ago uh, we are talking about it and become an issue. And I think, you know, with uh, uh, advertising companies like like the one I work in, McCann World Group in Latin America, for example, a year ago, decide after several conversations about it to create the Women Leadership Council. This was because of we, we knew that we can wait until the evolution because it's something like 200 years more and we cannot wait but because it is not only as you correctly said and I agree with you it's not something that have to do with human uh, right because you know we was born the same it is in the end of the day it's good for society and good for business because we can really create good things if we are not looking the all the point of view and at least the point of view of women and men who you know at least, at least. don't talk about <laughs> other things you know so you know the, the positive thing is that uh, we are talking and we are making affirmative action about it and to reflect why we are doing the way we are doing. As you correctly said, men are being judged for the potential. Women, we are being judged for what we already accomplished. Exactly. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but we cannot go on like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the I truly believe the advertising business have a, a, a huge responsibility to make this movement happen, you know, to make uh, this conversation about complementary uh, 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 teams that there are more women in, advert in, in creative area, in all the areas, because, you know, this is the only way we can really make the advertising sustainable, because otherwise we're going to be talking every time, you know, in more small niche. And if we really believe that we can make a significant uh, uh, contribution to the society, we need to start to understand what in the society is going on. Well, speaking of uh, getting back and making a difference, we should release Laura to get back to the jury and uh, here it can. And uh, which which jury are you on? Film? Film. Film. That yeah. is a big one. So we'll let you get back to work. Thank you both so much. I know you're very busy this week and it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. No, thank you. All right. 